We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oklahoma City Thunder select Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga University. What a pass. Giddy underneath for JRE. The reverse and the rookie-to-rookie action. SGA defended closely by Westbrook. Tough. Step back. Gets up the shot. Fakes This is Udart. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Sunday, June 25th. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Justin Peabody with me. Hello, everybody. Nick Crane is here, fresh off an airplane. Quezon. Crane on a plane. Could be a book. I like it. I like it. Cranes don't eat no planes, though. They're birds. We also got Kamiar here with us. Yeah, you know, I'm just partying and living like it's 1999, but that was 24 years ago, so. <laughs> Makes you feel a little old. Yeah. We are brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. We're at this sweet spot of the NBA season where we've just wrapped up the NBA draft, and we are about five days away from NBA free agency. I think free agency... Might get a little crazy, guys. Uh, we'll cover that more in depth on Wednesday, though. Although a free agent came off the board today. Carrie, in, already in the chat, saying it's his birthday. He's hanging out with the young contestant. Hey. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, Carrie. We will see Carrie. Uh, how, how, old, how, how old are they? Is he easy? <laughs> Maybe he'll <laughs> put it in the chat. Yeah. I just his name is Cesaro 20, so I'm guessing 20. <laughs> I think he's 20. Okay. He's not no, 20. That's not if you right. could put your date of birth, uh, current address, mother's maiden uh, name, social security, social in the chat, yeah. um, the street you grew up on, you'll yeah. win a prize. Zip code, to too. Zip code, High school zip mascots. Code. <laughs> and the CVC thing on the back of the card. <laughs> Carrie's 35. Hey, congrats, man. Carrie. All right, gentlemen, let's. Uh, someone says, Where is Taylor? Uh, Taylor <laughs> is, is MIA. I think. I, don't think, I, don't I think he's in Missouri. He's probably Whatever. watching Bluey somewhere. Bluey, like we, I had a, we talked, I talked with him today, and he was, uh, he posted it on Instagram about watching Bluey with his son, and uh, Bluey's the I, goat. I told him it didn't match Blue's Clues, and he said they do watch a little bit of Blue's Clues, but Bluey is cooler. Uh, I have no yeah. clue what you're talking about. 
What? Yeah, rub it in, what, Nick. What did you, you watch it. when You're you were young a child? And cool. <laughs> well, what did you watch when you were a child? Like cartoons and stuff. Like Courage the Cowardly Dog and Courage yeah. the Show. Uh, Dexter's, Dexter's Laboratory. That's Laboratory. like your base. You what about like your your like Nickelodeons? When I was a toddler, uh, <laughs> Synergy Clubs. You were one. Shut up. <laughs> I have no idea. I I do not remember much of anything before the age of like 10. So it sounds like, no it sounds like, it sounds like you were more of a cartoon network fan than Nickelodeon fan. I watched a lot of SpongeBob too. I, I don't know if that was oh, toddler okay. age or not, oh, but SpongeBob still, yeah. It's still you know, I saw days. we're totally off the rails already. <laughs> I saw a, um, I think it was a video about how the SpongeBob voice actors, you remember the episode where SpongeBob, um, read their graffiti on the garbage can outside mm -hmm. of the Krusty dolphin. Dolphin yeah, because it had a curse word. Yeah, and Patrick was like, "It's one of those sentence enhancers." <laughs> Apparently, like the the voice actors really did cuss that entire episode just to make <laughs> it feel more natural. And so it's a SpongeBob episode where like there's like fifty f bombs, and so Nickelodeon just there. burned the tape afterwards. Unfiltered. I would right. love to find the tape. I'd That'd pay for that as an adult. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah the marching main episode still slaps. It's a good show. So good. All right, gentlemen, it has been three days, four days since the NBA draft, since the Thunder selected, traded up, and selected Kason Wallace, number 10 overall. Got to get used to that. Kason. Yes. I flamed JD on this podcast like <laughs> this a month true. ago because he said Kason, and he was right. I, I want everyone on the show to he know. Was I call. Right. It doesn't matter. It's still right. I called and I apologized to JD last night <laughs> for flaming him on the show. Uh, it is Kason. Uh, he said, it's Kason, or a lot of people call me Kason. And that kind of upset me because I was like, bro, this is your name. Like, people call you what your name is. You don't need to say, oh, you can call me this or that. Like, that's your name. You own that. Like, don't give other people outs. And he said, don't call me Carson. So yeah. avoid Carson. I just assume Kaysen Kaysen okay. because I've I've met a few Kaysons in my lifetime, so I just, yeah. I just assumed it was Kason. Well, it's weird to chance that Taylor calls him Carson at some for point. sure. Oh. But a lot of people call him Queso. Queso, yeah. I saw I saw that on his chain uh, at the, at the NBA draft. Queso twenty two. Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, why are we not calling him Queso? Is that is not his is that not his nickname already? No, we can call him Queso, but it's yeah, just that, not Queso. That's, that's what I'm doing. Like, guys, I saw Queso. And he's gonna work out with on his, on his, his so. He's gonna work out with his coach Chip, Chip and Queso. <laughs> Come on. Oh man, how has that been on social media yet, or did I'm you sure actually just make that it. up? It I'm now. sure somebody's got that's it. Good stuff. Tweet it out before it's too late. Chip and Queso. That's that's great content. It's great. Kieran says we can call him Spicy Queso whenever he uh, gets a little spicy on the court. I like that. <laughs> so after the NBA draft, uh, late, I was already in bed. I didn't watch it till the next morning. Uh, the Thunder held media availability with Sam Presti and AC Law. Uh, Going to be real honest, I forgot AC Law was on the staff. He's kind of taken over in the position that Will Dawkins had yep. before Will went Played to Washington. Played at A&M, right? I yep. remember going and watching yeah. him live. Uh, I think it was an OU A&M game. Paul's price years? Good. Yeah. Or a I think bit so. After? A little bit after? And then I think AC got drafted in the lottery? I yeah. could be way wrong on this. 
and didn't yeah, have yeah. a. I think he went to Atlanta, but I who could be way 11th, wrong. Eleventh pick in two thousand and seven. I don't know who it was to though. Yeah, and I definitely know he was drafted. That's all. He, he didn't matter. have a great NBA career. Didn't stay around too long. But he was a great, great college yeah, point was. guard. Guard. Yeah. Um, I I remember that team he was very a pain vividly. In the neck. Um, but they talked about the draft picks. They couldn't get in depth with the trade. Uh, technically, I don't think sure. the trade has gone through has, yet. Yeah. Um, but then they introduced the rookies Saturday at two p.m. downtown Oklahoma City. Uh, shout out to the Thunder and Thunder PR uh, for giving us access. So I was down at the rookie introductory press conference Saturday afternoon. Lots of great stuff, lots of great content. So shout out to Thunder PR for uh, getting us in. We really appreciate that. I got to get my car valet parked, gentlemen. I have never valet parked my car in my life. (laughs) And I pulled up and I didn't know what to do. And I was like right behind this like super expensive Mercedes. And I'm driving my little Kia that my public ed salary pays for. (laughs) And I was like, I'm probably like the poorest person in this line. And so I'm just sitting there like, do I get out of the car? Do I turn the engine off? Do I wait for someone to like, what do I do? And then a big, like all black, like tint as dark as you can get it. Tahoe pulls up behind me. And I saw a lot of people run out the front door with cameras. And I was like, "Uh oh. And then I look at my rear view mirror and I see Kason step out of the car. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> he pulls up right behind my little piece of crap Kia. This is wonderful. Did you run for uh, a high five? Uh, I did not. Okay. I got out of the car and I didn't really know where to go in the building. So I was like, I guess I just follow this guy. Like, he, I'm going where he's going. going. Where he? Yeah. yeah. Turned out I was not going where just he was follow going. Follow people. He turned. I was about to turn, and multiple people said, "Uh, no, you go this way." So I almost, I think, accidentally walked into the family only room. Um, so that wasn't good. But the press conference, uh, lots of great content came out of it. One quick note I wanted to put it put out before we dive into some of the other stuff. I'm sure you guys saw it. Uh, if you watch the press conference and you've seen the the quotes that have been tweeted out, Presti said that they were working on that trade for like a week. And he and Nico Harrison were on the phone every day for like, day. Yeah. Th- like seven or eight days leading up to the draft. I assume it was contingent on one of Presti's guys being there at 10 to make that move. But we've talked on this show about how you don't like start building a trade on draft day. You build the trade yeah, like weeks in advance. And then if certain parameters land in the draft order and you're ready to pull the trigger, you call and you say, Hey, can we do this? It seems like that's exactly what happened. I mean, like, like, like you just said, like these things happen in advance talks, talks happen. Like that's all, that's an all-star break felt like it always used to be for every, all the GMs come together and really discuss in person. Like, Hey, what are you thinking about doing this, et cetera. And they consider moving like all-star break and something like that for, for that reason. Right. Um, and it's really interesting because this was one of the first times that, I found I knew who Oklahoma City was picking um, pretty pretty quickly uh, because it was announced by Shams and then Woj later joined in because Shams was just killing him on Twitter. Uh, but I found out pretty quickly, hey, the uh, the Mavs are trading their pick for this guy and Oklahoma City is getting this guy. And in previous years, 
you haven't been getting those early texts. So I thought that was a really interesting part of uh, drafting Kazon as well. Makes you wonder what else is out there as a framework, or I guess was out there. It's kind of late now, but um, you have to think there's probably a couple trade ups, a couple trade backs, a couple of trade out options that at least been discussed. Mm-hmm. And as the dominoes fall, you you make the call with what seems feasible, and and that was it. I think that's this is like the best thing to keep in mind around any any time of like rumor hotbed, whether it's the draft, whether it's the trade deadline, whatever it is of you get the reports of this team and this team are having conversations about this player. Well, like, yeah, obviously. And I think, you know, a scenario like this shows you like everyone is having a conversation about everything. You're planning for every contingency. Every potential option is on the table and you're going to explore it. Does that mean you're going to do it? No, but you're going to talk about it and you're going to have a plan in place. And I, I think that that's probably the case for any type of, of big decision involving multiple teams. There's probably many, many, many options on the table. You're going to take the one that, that best suits you. But that that's why you have to take any of those rumors with a grain of salt, because, yeah, I'm sure those people are having those conversations, but that doesn't necessarily mean the deal is imminent. And, and think how complex these things are and how ever changing they are. Like if you're if you're the Washington Wizards and you trade Brad Beal and everything's pointing to you selecting Anthony Black at eight. If he's there, if not, maybe you try to move up. Fast yeah. forward a day, you trade for Jordan Poole. There's a whole bunch of other things going on. A bunch of guards are getting moved around. Now, do you really need Anthony Black? All these teams are like, should we consider Washington a team at eight to take him? Would they move up? What does that look like? All of a sudden, the day of the draft, it's like they want Koulibaly, and that changes everything. And so even if there is a, a rumor the week out that, this team's talking to this team. There's so many things that can debunk that along the way too, that it's, it's fun and it gives us content to talk about on the pod, but I think it just gives us a, a frame of reference for these reports and rumors as they come out. Like, yeah, they're talking and they're talking to a lot of teams and everybody's talking to everybody. If OKC would have drafted Koulibaly instead of Kaysan, what would you guys be thinking right now? Well, I think that they really liked Koulibaly. <laughs> yeah. and I think that there was a, a real chance that they probably tried to trade up and get him. Like, would you would you guys still have this same feeling of the prospect they're getting? Uh, I mean, like they they're two totally different kind of archetypes of player um, yeah. and do different things. One's more a little more ready, whereas the other one's a little bit more raw, as we've discussed in the past, as far as like where, where the Thunder's direction is going. Um, so I was, I was really curious, like what happens if that Koulibaly thing does come to fruition? It would have felt exactly like the last few drafts. I feel like, um, mm-hmm. maybe not last year, but it was the long-term project over. Well, I think last year does count with Usman Jane. True. That's a good point. The long-term yeah. project selection over flashy Literally days long, that everybody, long, everybody yeah. mocked to the thunder. Right. And that that would have been the exact same scenario. And like, we're very familiar with that scenario. It's all the guys, all the mock drafts that you think you talk about the Thunder taking, like Taylor Hendricks is on the board, go get him. And then they trade up and take Koulibaly. Like, it would have been the exact same discussion that we've had for many years. Yeah. I think to Nick's point, like, clearly it sounds like there was some interest there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes the, the case on pick so interesting is because he's not that long term project. It, yeah. it does feel like kind of a, a bigger a bigger change um, from what we've seen the Thunder do in, in recent drafts. 
And this but, is proof that Presti is truly drafting who he thinks fits best, be it a project, be it a polished player, an 18-year-old, a 22-year-old, like a guard, a wing, a big. Like we heard legit things about him being interested in Derek Lively. We heard Koulibaly. We heard Kaysan Wallace, like guard, wing, big, varying ages, varying levels of experience, varying levels of plug-and-play versus project. Like he really is out there just trying to find the best guy for the Thunder, like he said in his post-draft presser. Like it's it's so true. Them them Kentucky guards though can't resist. Yeah. Hey, I've tweeted it a few times, and I'm sure Nick can talk about this a lot more. I, I really do want to dive into the press conference stuff. We'll get there in just a moment. Like I've obviously since they drafted Kason, I've watched a lot of Kason on YouTube. I love his ability to get to the paint. Are his weaknesses basketball? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Keandre. I love Keandre. He likes to get to the paint. He's really good at attacking the basket. He played with Oscar Sheboy. If you watch those Kentucky clips, he is driving into like a mosh pit. <laughs> it's going to change to so much more for him whenever his big is Chet Holmgren and he's playing on an NBA space floor with a farther out three-point line. Like, Comier's mentioned that another Kentucky guard that may be underachieved in college. Like, you just look back, Emmanuel quickly. Um, Tyrese Maxey. Malik Shane Monk Gilgis has been coming on. Yep. Say it again. Malik Monk has been coming on. Malik Monk, like all these guys. I think once he gets to the league, like the offense is going to pop even more. And that makes me really excited. His uh, layups high off the glass look really nice. He has a soft touch. I would definitely say that. What's most attractive about him is that I, I agree the offense will likely pop a bit more at the NBA level, sure. given the spacing. But he's also proven in the same vein, which is probably why the Thunder like him. Um, he doesn't need the ball to be impactful. Mm-hmm. Like If sure. he is, for the rest of his career, at 12 points, four assists, four rebounds, excellent defense kind of guy, and he takes eight shots a game and Shea and, and Josh and whoever else are taking the shots, he's proven he can be that guy. So like if that's his role and he's really good at it, fine. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And when people talk about, you know, he did, maybe he's not like an on ball guy all the time. And he kind of, he was more on ball at Kentucky than we think he will be in OKC. I mean, I'm imagining Josh driving to the basket kicking out to Kaysan, who then is the secondary creator who attacks a closeout. And you, I mean, you can pull up YouTube and find a thousand highlights of him attacking the lane and then either finding the roll man, lobbing it over the top, finding the weak side shooter. He's going to fit like a glove with what they want to do. I think I'm really excited. I, you guys know, because I've talked about it on this podcast back in May that I really liked Kaysan. I think he's going to fit really well. Um, Jumping into the press conference. uh, Before we get to some of the quotes, just anything that you guys found interesting, any comments, any, anything from either the main press conference or some of the quotes that were coming out from the scrums that you thought were interesting. I mentioned already the, the talk about the trade and how they had been working on that for over a week, but anything else? Uh, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Keontae Johnson, who we haven't even mentioned on this pod yet. Who I think For is sure. going to be. No offense to Keontae, but we're 
We're going to prioritize number 10 over number 50. Yeah, but, I mean, track record. No one talked about Lou Dort. I mean, I'm not yeah, saying he's no. going to be the next Lou Dort, but... Keontae's um, big. I'll tell I you mean, that. He, I stood next to him. He's a large yeah, man. Yeah, he's got a seven-foot wingspan. Um, what is he, like 6'6", six, 6'7"? Six, six, Probably more like 6'5". Um, but he's super long. But he was before his super tragic situation at Florida. Sure. He was preseason SEC player of the year, projected a first round pick. So while yes, he was the 50th pick and Thunder fans are not talking about him on Twitter. Like if you don't think this guy has NBA talent, like from a skill standpoint and has the NBA ready frame, I know he's on a two way, which was the quote that I'm, um, that, that was most interesting to me out of everything. Um, like, I'm not going to say names, but there's guys on this roster currently that Keontae Johnson intrigues me more than like, yep. he is not the 17th or 18th most interesting player on this roster to me. You're He's telling me he would play. You're telling me he'd play at the four more than some guys. Yeah. Uh, the three or the four. Mm. We'll see. I mean, the Thunder don't really play that way, but there's right, multiple sure. guys on this roster that I'm like, if you had to see this guy, play. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And his story, like it's hard not to root for the kid. I think it uh, that that's an under uh, can't can't be underemphasized. I think is is totally. the journey that he's on. Like a really cool moment. I think as far as things that stood out from the press conference, I think that was really cool to hear him talk about it and kind of see it come full circle. And that the Thunder was his favorite team growing yeah. up is kind of awesome too. Presty like, talked you, about that. You don't the last see that few story. drafts. He said yeah. the last few drafts. There's been guys that have said that that. Thunder team was like one of their favorite teams growing up. That made me shrivel up into an old man immediately when they said that. But hey, speaking of, did you guys see that Kevin Durant joined a Twitter space to talk about like the Twitter space was called like Kevin Durant is trash or something? Yeah, yeah. and he came to talk about it, and he like kept on saying that uh, (laughs) that the crowd kept on asking him if he drove as much to the basket like he did in OKC, and if he's still as good as a player as he used to be. Um, and he's, he just made, he was baking. I think he was slightly under the influence. Maybe it sounded like he was slurring a lot. Um, but, uh, all time poster. He said that he is the same exact player as he was, as he was with golden state pre injury. Uh, he just missed a lot of shots. So that that was, that was a weird interaction. Just like, stop. One of the other quotes that I thought was interesting was when Kason was talking about um, some of the connections to other guys in the league and like being from Dallas and some of that storyline. And he mentioned you, you mentioned him earlier, Jacob, but Tyrese Maxey specifically mm-hmm. as one of the guys that he'd kind of stayed in touch with. I thought, I thought that was really cool um, to hear some of that, that side of the story and some of his journey and, and how he's kind of interacting with and keeping in touch with, um, you know, guys that he grew up around, guys that came from the same area and, and have found a way to make it in the league. I think it's it's really nice to have, I think, that kind of support system to to start you off in the league. It seems like um, he was being really intentional about kind of cultivating those relationships and stuff like that. I think it'll be it'll be really cool to kind of see some of those things play out on court when they face each other. Definitely. Um, so after the press conference was over, they had scrums where you could go talk to different people. And I went over to talk to Sam Presti. And by the time I was done with Sam Presti, I went over to talk to Kason. And as soon as I got there, 
uh, the P thunder PR official who was with him was like, all right, last question. So I didn't get to get my question in, but somebody got it in before me. If you have not seen on draft night after Kason got selected, his Instagram story was like, I don't know, like a hundred, a hundred like stories long. Right. And one of them was a screenshot of a map of Oklahoma city and the location of every Whataburger. And it, it said something about how he's back in Whataburger country because he's from DFW. Right? Oh, that Instagram post? Yeah. And so I wanted to ask him, what's his go-to Whataburger meal? Somebody beat me to it. I think it was Clemente. I could be wrong. Um, but Quezon said that his go-to Whataburger meal is the bacon cheeseburger combo with the Powerade. Solid. He, he said that Whataburger is better than In-N-Out. And he likes Brahms. So my question to you guys, is that the correct Whataburger order? <laughs> and is Whataburger better than In-N-Out? I have an answer, and you're not going to like it. Um, I only Whataburger guys. No, hell no. <laughs> Whataburger, although it has the name Whataburger. I don't know if I've ever actually had a burger there. I'm a. Are what? you the chicken tender sandwich? Honey guy? butter chicken strip sandwich, or like the barbecue chicken strip pretty, sandwich, or oh, dude, the honey butter chicken strip yeah. sandwich slaps. Thank no, you. yeah, Agreed. I, Agreed. I don't get burgers from Whataburger. Same. I get Same. yeah, I'm getting what? chicken. Yep. So wow. So my point is, I don't actually classify those the same. To me, if I want a burger, like I'm not going to Whataburger. Probably not going to In-N-Out either. But if I was between those two, I'd go to In-N-Out. Um, which will be going in a couple weeks in Vegas, boys. So get ready. Hey. Um, so I would say for burgers, in and out, but bigger picture, Whataburger wins. <laughs> yeah, Whataburger has a better variety, more selection. And I mean, like the Texas toast is just perfect. And in and out does not have Texas toast. I mean, like, ooh, you've got animal fries. Like that's like your big shtick, right? Uh, but uh, Whataburger's got it all. I mean, like it's south in a in a in just like in a nice little restaurant there. It's and it's open twenty four hours. That's important. I feel like Kamiar and Nick are finding loopholes to avoid answering the question at hand. It's uh, Whataburger. Burgers. We're talking burgers. New <sighs> chicken boys and Texas toast fellers. Like, stay focused. The superior burgers in and out, and I will not apologize for such facts. Oh. Whataburger mm. has a great offering. I had Whataburger for dinner tonight. Wow. I, had, I don't know the last time I went to but, fast food and ordered a burger, though. Like, I'm a chicken guy. I'm a chicken. Clearly. Um, <laughs> but in and out the superior burger. Whataburger has a lot to offer. Love me some Brahms. Where else do you get a shake? Complimentary with your combo. I was about to say, Brahms might be on top of all of them. Brahms uh, is up there. Pump the brakes. Brahms burgers are good. Brahms chicken pump, is pump good. Brahms sauce. Pump the brakes. I haven't Pump had the brakes. sauce. Pump the brakes. Isn't it very similar to like cane sauce? Yes. yes. Okay. I've never heard of Brahms sauce, but it makes me feel uncomfortable. Hey, what? Brahms currently has this cookie sundae. You can get peanut butter cookies with peanut butter cup ice cream on top. Okay. <sighs> Boy. I went there. I got the cookie sundae, but I got a chocolate chip cookie with chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. I'm a Ooh. big fan of birthday cake ice cream. Is hey. that weird? Fastest fifteen hundred calories you'll ever get. <laughs> it's so good. All right, let's get to some of the audio from 
the press conference. Before we do that, though, let's take our first break of the evening. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we are back. Um, so I got some video of some of the guys. The first one I have for you all is Presty talking about Kason's fit with the Thunder. Uh, so we'll uh, play it, play the audio. If you're on the YouTube stream, uh, you'll get to see the video. If you're listening to the audio on a podcast platform, you'll still hear the audio just fine. I hope. I think it should be just fine. Uh, so we'll listen to this audio and then just kind of talk about our our the thoughts thing on it. about our team and the reason why it's easy to 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 absorb some players is because the flexibility of the type of guys that we have in the present. Uh, we have extremely flexible players, not just in terms of the positional ability, but their their aptitude for the game and understanding of the game. I think the best example of that would be um, J Dub's emergence during the year. Um, <clears throat> We drafted Josh Giddy, you know, then there was a big question about whether or not Shea and Josh could play together. And I think, you know, naturally, I understand that not everybody's seeing the game the same way. Um, and I thought those guys handled that expertly well, uh, primarily because of their intelligence for, for, the, for the game and also their skill sets. We drafted Dub. Um, there weren't as many questions, but there were still like some questions. Um, we started the year, he was playing not a lot. By the end of the year, he was playing a lot and playing a, a significant role. Um, we didn't change the team. The team didn't change. No one was moved. It was the ability for the fact that guys, because they're very versatile and flexible, could play in different spots on the roster. They could absorb uh, another player of that caliber um, after he started to demonstrate that he could help the team you know, with a bigger role. Um, and because everybody can play in different places and they understand how to still influence winning without being so dominant all the time, um, 
it, it was kind of just able to, to, to be pretty seamless by the end of the year. Case of similar thing, like I don't have an answer for you or the playbook for how that's going to take place, but I'm pretty confident with his skill set and our play style. Um, it allows people to to be a part of the you know be part of the game, part of the team, and um, with, with Case specifically, as I said earlier, like he plays like with no agenda, like like he's just playing the game as it's being presented to him, which I think is really important, and it's really connecting the way he plays. Kind of to piggyback off that, he played a whole lot to start. You're on mute, Jacob. You're muted, homie. Awesome. Thank you. you he tailored. <laughs> I did tailor it. Uh, two things I noticed in that. Number one, he calls him Kaysen, not Kaysan. <laughs> We're all working on it. We'll get hey. there. He switched. It was Kaysan draft <laughs> night, and they switched to Kaysen for the presser. He forgot. Uh, <laughs> you know, we all sleep. I thought the comments on like the flexibility of the team is interesting. We've talked a lot about that. Sure. But... Him in that video was the third time I've heard him use the phrase agenda-free basketball. I think that's kind of fascinating. Like, he hasn't really do dove, dived, dove, dove into what he specifically means by agenda-free basketball, but I think it's interesting. I He said another phrase that I feel like is, is related to that, where he said, they find ways to impact the game without dominating. And I, th I think that's really interesting, right? You think about the guys that are very loud. Like we've talked about this before, how Shea can take over a game, but it's so quiet, you barely notice it's happening sometimes versus guys that are very loud, right? They're very clearly dominating the game. I think what Presti's talking about kind of fits with the idea of being agenda-free. It's not about being loud. It's not about putting up big stats. It's not about getting mine. It's about influencing the team together. Positionlessly, Everybody flowing together, that kind of free-flowing offense, I think it's it's about how every every piece complements the other. I think when you look at how they're building the roster and the types of guys they're after, it's very clear that's a high priority. And I think that plays plays a lot into being agenda-free. Yeah, you I have like he... a multifaceted approach to it. I mean, it reminds me of very systematic basketball or systemic basketball where – Everybody gets their hands on the ball. Uh, Maybe not the most fun kind of like way to approach it, um, but everybody touches it and you have like three guys with two assists instead of one guy with all the assists and a few guys with like one or two. Uh, it's different. I think he gave us kind of the definition of, of no agenda when he was initially talking about Kaysan. He, he said... I have the quote here. In today's world, there are so many people saying you have to get more shots, draw more attention to yourself. And this guy got drafted in the top 10 just by being himself a team player. So I think reading between the lines, a no agenda player is somebody that isn't out there to get his points and his rebounds and his assists. It's like, what do you need for me, coach? And, and not even asking what you need for me, having the IQ and the smarts to look at the situation, identify what do I need to do to help the team win right here, right now in the moment. That's no agenda basketball. Yeah, Presti talked about seeing Kaysom play at McDonald's All-American and everyone treats that game like an all-star game and he was out there like playing defense and boxing guys out. And you know Presti was just like Birdman rubs hands dot gif. On oh, that I was, was going to say, when we're in, in Vegas for Summer League, 
Yeah. He is going to be locking people up and it's going to piss them off. Yeah. He's the guy at pickup that you don't want to play against. Oh, 100%. <laughs> kind of like Kamiar, honestly. <laughs> is Case on the new Kamiar comp? Kind of. As long as he doesn't break Jerry Ramsey's finger. <laughs> Speaking of Brahms, looked like a crinkle cut fries. That, that thing it looked did. like. I felt so bad Jerry's when that face. happened. It did. Um, so this next quote I have is from Coach Dignall. And I know, I, I think all of you guys have heard this one. Uh, I know Kamiar has because I saw him commenting about it on Twitter. It's maybe my favorite quote of the day just because of like how fast Mark just pulled it out. Uh, so let's watch and listen to this one and then we'll talk about it afterwards. If anybody had never seen him play, what would you say? Does he remind you of anybody you could tell somebody who's never seen him play? Uh, yeah, it reminds me of Ed Reed. Ed Reed, the football Ed Reed, the safety. Yeah, he's like Ed Reed out there. He's just got a beat on the ball. You know, he's he's got great um, great discipline. You know, he's he's where he's supposed to be. He's not reckless. He's not doing his own thing. But when when he smells the ball, he's a he's a hawk on the ball. You know, so he he looks like a he played football coming up and he looks like a like a free safety out there is that instinct is that knowing the game plan good question for him i don't really know him you know that well right now you just see it on film that it pops you know like he's he just he, he's very anticipatory and he, there's just no hesitation when he commits to something um you know it's almost like he's he's in one motion uh when he makes a decision on defense it's pretty you know it, it's an impressive instinct that would call it looks like he fits the more runway that's exciting. Ed Reed. You out of all the stuff to pull out, he pulled out Ed yeah. Reed. Yeah, you I can would, see I, the excitement in his face talking it, about it. It's just so interesting. Um, I mean, of course, this defense, uh, this, well, of course, the, the team, but the team is focused on defense first. Um, and then, like, cyclically uh, playing on offense uh, through different mediums. But um, the defense is uh, a paramount. It's super important to this team. And you've seen, of course, you, you didn't get to see Chet play for the most part. You got to see a few games. I uh, wonder if he'll play uh, any anytime soon. But um, everything that came out is specifically about Chet's defense, not about his offense, not what he could do on the court offensively. His defense was, yeah, sure, his size and blocking, but every word that accompanied that was anticipatory. He has great feel for the game and anticipation as far as being on the defensive side. Um, I think for a big man, that's significant, but also I think that's even more significant for more of a guard uh, where those guys are on the ball mostly all the time, unless the other bet other player on the team is Nikola Jokic, right? Um, the, the ball's in the guard's hand. So for him to be that quick twitch uh, for him to, be kind of compared to a free safety freak kind of athlete um, with so much anticipation. I, I, I dream of all those times when Russ would jump a pick and just take it to the other end and dunk it with one hand. Speechless. I thought Nick was going to say something speechless. there. Oh. Everybody was speechless. No, I, I, I think that the, the safety analogy was discussed internally leading up to the draft because Presti talked about him being a safety and there being parallels to him playing football growing up. And then Mark says Ed Reed. So I'd imagine 
that's something that they had talked about long before drafting him is, is the defensive instincts and the way he has a nose for the ball. I think we talk a lot about nose for the ball on offense, like guys that go get offensive rebounds and right spot, right time. And he's, he's that guy defensively for sure. Definitely. Mark had some other comments about how Kaysan's skill level is at a place where he can come in and make an immediate impact. I thought that was an interesting quote. Um, sounds like there's no G league minutes coming for this kid. Like he's just, he's going to be in the rotation day one, but said he also has a lot of upside and other aspects of his game that he's going to continue to grow. I thought it was just really interesting. Um, they seem pretty high on the kid. I think very very similar to J-Dub with the G-League thing, right? Like both those two picks, I think, were more kind of finished prospects. J-Dub mostly because of his age. But uh, Kaysan, I think a lot of what he brings to the table, you know, this isn't the the project again. I think the, the G-League plays a big role in that and how those guys are developed. I think Kaysan, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, cracking the rotation as firmly as J-Dub did at the end of last season, but I think he's he's definitely got got a spot on the floor from day one. Do you guys anticipate before Christmas there being a narrative amongst Thunder fans of Kaysan needing to start and who do you move to the bench? Like, is that going to become a narrative? No, not by Christmas. I think it might be by the end of Summer League, knowing how uh, (laughs) rational fans tend to react to Summer League. (laughs) We might be there in a couple weeks. Which part of the fan base are we talking about? The the rational ones or the irrational ones that I mean can you make a list of names for us yes. Nick? yeah yeah and check it twice. the irrational fans on twitter yes. all of them no i will not <laughs> i will not do that no i think i think um there will likely be a stretch maybe before christmas that he's a starter without one of the guards you're thinking of him replacing actually leaving the lineup. Like I, I see the lineup of him, Dort, Shea, and Josh all starting together as a four guard lineup. I think you can do that. Totally. And no Jada. I think you can play Jada in there too. So you're gonna play five guards. Do you think you can do it? At the five last year, Josh Giddy's taller I, than Carriage Williams. I mean, I, 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 I didn't it. say full time starting lineup. I said there will be a stretch for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Um, okay, so this next quote from Sam. Uh, this is one that I asked him. You'll hear the the question leading up to his answer. Not really rookie-related, more team-building CBA-related. Uh, and I, I found his answer pretty fascinating. So let's listen in. You have kind of hinted at your philosophy a little bit about team building in general. Uh, now with the new CBA coming through, I don't even know if you guys have had a chance to like fully dive into that document yet. How does, when you're in the middle of this rebuild process, does the philosophy shift with the changing rules of the league? Um, well, in this particular case, no. I mean, I actually think that the way that things have been laid out um, is is beneficial for us. The way that the way that the new system is being designed. Um, we've been in other situations where we, we there was a new CBA introduced, and it was really really difficult and challenging um i try not to think about that but um but i don't feel like this this particular agreement is in any way influential to our 
to where we are right now. I, anything I would say, it's, it's helpful. Um, but, you know, everyone's going to have to make decisions. And there's, uh, you know, again, rules, and like, those are the rules, those are the system. It's our job to work within the system. And uh, we've, always, we've always found a way to do that, and I, we'll continue to do that. Thank you, Thank you Sam. Thanks. So I got told that was the last question before I got to ask my question. I didn't want to step on any toes. I didn't want to push, but I wanted to follow up really bad. And I didn't because I wanted to be respectful of the last question. But my follow-up would have been, what about the new CBA is so good for you guys? He just said it's not finalized. Can't talk about it. Probably. <laughs> and we, we can kind of decipher. I mean, it's very clear that draft drafting is a big part of the new CBA and really the only avenue for team building once you start spending more money. Don't tell Bill Simmons. I've heard the new <laughs> that, CBA is bad for OKC. That's what my first thought was, was I should email this to Bill Simmons. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the extra two-way spot, the being able to offer non-max rookie scale extensions for five years instead of four, getting the third guy on the rookie scale max instead of only having two. We can assume what all of the, the benefits are, but I really wanted to ask him. It seems like, I mean, I don't think he's coming out and being, that felt like a very straightforward answer. That wasn't kind of beating around the bush and kind of playing both sides. That was a, this is a good thing for us. And I thought that was really fascinating for him just to be so forthcoming about that with the CBA. I don't, I mean, I think it is a good thing for Oklahoma City, but I don't imagine a universe where he would be like, oh, this is horrifying for us. That's to, true. If, to your question. I mean, like Sam Presti is always going to, Oklahoma City is always going to put on that everything is fine facade uh, and masquerade, uh, regardless of what question you may ask them. I mean, like, that's what his part of his job is too. But albeit he does have right to say, it's pretty good for OKC, despite what Bill Simmons may think, who now is, thinks Oklahoma City is like one of the top young teams, even though Houston fans just keep on saying it over and over and over. I, I actually thought him saying, like, I think it's pretty favorable to us was kind of surprising. Like, I kind of expected, to your point, Kamir, him to be a little more, like, pragmatic in more like what Nick said of like, well, you know, terms are still being finalized. We'll definitely take a look at it. But, you know, not really tipping his hand of like, yeah, it, it uh, you know, doesn't affect things in the big picture, but we'll take it into account. Kind of give like a non-answer. But kind of admitting that it was favorable and past ones haven't been. I actually enjoyed that that level of insight that he gave you, Jacob. Yeah, it's all relative. He didn't want to right? talk about that old one. The last <laughs> yeah. two changes were Rose Rule and cap spike that allowed Kevin Durant to walk to the Warriors right. in a situation where he never would have been able to. So like, even if this, this new CBA doesn't really affect OKC at all, that is favorable. Right. I, I think, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty relative when he answers yeah. that question. Yeah. Exactly. It's not completely screwing you. So you see it as a positive, right? Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Any other press conference stuff before we move on? Nope. Okay, let's take our next break of the evening. On the other side, we got to do it. Do we'll what, talk, Jacob? We'll talk about Vasily Mitic. Do it to it. Do it to him. All right, we are back. We got to do it. <laughs> we got to talk about him. Jeez. 
There's been a lot of stuff coming out about Michich recently. Um, before the draft, there was word that he had come over. Uh, Joe Masato of the Oklahoman confirmed that he came to Oklahoma City. Yesterday, Saturday afternoon, Sam Presti confirmed that Michich was in the building and had met with them and spent some time with them. And then, uh, I guess, was it like super early morning today uh, or like last night? Uh, Christios Salats, Saltas. I hope I pronounced that right. Christios Saltas. Uh, Christos covers... Saltas. Christos Saltas. Yes. There we go. Uh, who covers um, EuroLeague basketball. Uh, had an article in which, in, in the tweet of the article, he said, Vasile Micic has decided to play in the NBA next season. He's in talks with the OKC Thunder, and a potential trade is on the table for him. He's more than ready for the next step in the biggest stage. Uh, shout out to Clemente Almaza, who translated this article the best that he could. It sounds like Mitchich has lowered his demands. His demands before was a high salary, like 10 to 12 million. He wanted to start or get starter minutes and play for a contending team. And it seems like he has loosened up on a lot of that stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I Justin, resist. we got the Mitchich overlay in the stream. If you're not watching the YouTube stream, you, <laughs> you're you missing out. Geez. Sounds like he's lowered his demands on like playing for a contender. Like he's not going to go play for Houston, but he's lowered his demands on playing for a contender. He's maybe lowered his demands on as far as like starting and instead of 10 to 12 mil, maybe closer to like six to seven mil. If what do we make of this? I also have a Presti quote on Michich as well. If you guys want to hear it, um, are we drinking the Kool Aid yet, folks? No, no, I don't think anything's changed. Like, yeah, he's had the desire to come to the NBA for years now. If XYZ is achievable, and that's what's been the hurdle. He would not be the Thunder's possibly even third best ball handler. People on Twitter.com have told me that he would unequivocally start for this team. No. I, I almost don't. This is my opinion, but I, I don't think I don't think him playing on Oklahoma City is is even an option. Correct. Like you could tell. In you could kind of read between the lines in Presti's answer about Mitchich. Like we've had a lot of contact with him over the years. Like we have a good relationship. Like he he kept it pretty pretty plain. Do you want me to play it? Uh, yeah. Let's listen to it. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing. It's year to year. Um, you know, I don't really have anything specific I can get into right now. Um, he was obviously here, which is great because it's been you know it's been something we wanted to to. to have him on like on site at some point, but he's you know he's such an accomplished player until he's playing in a tournament or national team or deep into the you know deep into the summer. Um, but it was great. But you know we know him very well. He's got a great relationship with our organization. Uh, but it was really nice to spend some time with him while he was you know on our on our soil. Um, and uh, it was great. But I, I couldn't tell you exactly what that what that means as of yet. 
I think this is setting the table for for a trade. And I know that's not like some kind of groundbreaking, unique opinion. I just don't see him playing for Oklahoma City. And I think this is probably me, you know, pulling uh, some confirmation bias here out of what I heard in Presti's quote, but getting him on, on like our soil and like getting to meet him in our, in our space, basically. Um, I, I didn't take that. I think there's ways to read into that quote where it's like, um, very pragmatic again. Like the, I think it could have been worded differently if it was like, yeah, you know, we're excited to bring him in and, you know, get him part of the team or like head towards that direction. Or like, obviously he he's not going to say those words, but I feel like this was an important step in terms of laying the groundwork for a trade that could happen. You've got to get him in the building. You probably had to do a physical, right? Like the NBA teams are going to want some of that information. I think probably having it done by an NBA team rather than a European team is probably still doing the turn of the head and cough. That I can't answer, um, but I think uh, like some of those things I could see being part of that trade process, like getting him over to the U.S., getting him in the Thunder facility, kind of running him through. I don't know what all those things look like, obviously. I don't know all the fine details, but it feels like a a different step than what's been done in past. To your point, Nick, of like what's changed, I don't know that anything situationally has changed. I think him coming to Oklahoma City is the only thing that changed. And I think that's that's where maybe some of that possibility becomes a little bit more real. There's only two options. He is trade fodder or he stays in Europe. He does not fit the timeline. He does not fit the process. He is not fit what Oklahoma City is doing. Uh, doesn't make sense. One thing that has changed, Justin, to your point, is the team in Turkey that he played for last season that just won a title and he won MVP lost their coach and has lost like two or three of their top players. That's important too. So a return to Europe would mean playing on a less accomplished team that probably doesn't have a chance. It's a great point. I think there's also, I, I don't know this for a fact. I admittedly have tried to not spend too much time and effort studying this situation because done that for three years in a row and it's been all for nothing but i believe he has another year under contract overseas so and call me you may have to keep me honest on this i'm not a huge soccer guy but like i feel like that happens a lot more in soccer like you're buying the guy's contract like is oklahoma city going to give him a 10 million dollar deal and buy out the multi-million dollar contract at that point i think it's an element too like do we know enough to really give an educated answer here I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it, it would be buying like the actual player out from their club. I mean, like they, Oklahoma City's had that issue or not, I wouldn't say issue because they always get invested in these guys from overseas and they end up never actually coming except Gabby Deck for some reason. Um, and um, you always have to like wait out. You could buy out their claws and they could come over to your team right now. Or you can just wait out the two years. So, yeah, it'd be like a buying and transfer kind of situation. He does have some sort of option on his contract on a deadline of July 20th with his contract overseas. Uh, I'm not sure what the option explicitly is. I saw, I believe, Real GM uh, tweeted that out today. So, interesting nonetheless. Now, Nick, maybe you can be the answer to this question. I don't think they can sign and trade him. I think if you sign him to a contract, 
it's just like signing any other free agent and you can't trade them until like that December 15th date. I don't know. I wish I knew the CBA in that much depth. I do not know. I know if you sign a free agent, that's the rule. I I don't. I think I think the avenue the avenue would be trade his draft rights. I don't think you'd right. sign him. I think you'd trade his draft rights for I don't know if it, you could do cash compensation or some kind of pick or a larger deal. I don't I don't think yeah. that would be the way to do it. Be sign him to a deal then trade him. And the thing with that is, if you trade his draft rights, the team that acquires those rights then has to have cap space to sign him. Right. Right. So you're kind of limiting the trade market there. Denver doesn't have cap space to sign him unless he signs a minimum. I guess maybe you could use one of those exceptions. I don't know the whole yeah. cap detail of it, but it's it is a very interesting and convoluted issue they're trying to navigate here. So before we move on, for each of you, I want a percentage that is the chance that Mitchich is playing in an NBA jersey. Come October, Justin, you're up first. Oh man, uh, I have been hurt—not hurt, but I've been fooled too many times in the past to put this any higher than like fifteen percent. Like, yes, there's a chance, um, but I, I, at this point, I'll believe it when I see it. What was what was it? The president said, "Fool me once, shame on 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 you. Fool me twice, you can't get fooled again." <laughs> I believe that's the direct quote. Nick, what's your percent? Um, this is going to sound more optimistic than Justin. But I don't think it actually is. I was just thinking like <laughs> flip a coin, whatever it lands on, I believe you. So I'm going to say 50-50. Like, it, would he, if he got signed tomorrow, would it shock me? No. If he ended up going back overseas, would it shock me? I'm just like, yeah, something will happen. 50-50, I flip a coin. Sure, that's it. Since Sam laughed at the beginning of that question, I'm going to go with 10%, uh, Bob. <laughs> you should have gone with 14% and the price yeah. is right at Justin. Yeah, price is right, <laughs> price is right at him. Um, yeah, I'm I'm putting it at a... I'm, I'm giving an NA because I don't care because I'm tired of oh, having this conversation. Yeah, well, that's fair. If, if you consider... If he doesn't... We should start a Patreon for the people that want to know our off, 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 off uh, the record, off record comments. If he doesn't come this year and we hit next summer and get another room, dude, I will <laughs> gouge my eyes out. <laughs> like, come on. Like, this has to be the summer to Nick's point. Like, would it surprise me? No. But, and oh, he's going to be, it's got to be the summer. He's going to be goofing. 30 by the start of the season or halfway through the season. If he doesn't come over now, he's not coming over. Yeah. Oh, right. new boot goofing. Do you think? Do you think there's an element of watch him play FIBA in was it late August, early September? Yeah. Um, like let him play for Serbia with Jokic, and then you hey. try to make some kind of deal. Yeah. If I'm trying to get a contract, I'm going to wait till after I play with Nikola Jokic. That's right. It's true. He'll probably Very make true. me look a little bit better than I am. Mitchich, Jokic, and Poku, like big mm. three, look out. Mitchich rises the stock in the contract and then Poku tanks it on the other end. He's a secret agent for the Thunder. Gosh. I love it. All right. To finish this up tonight, uh, I don't have the Around the Association sounder because JD isn't here. Um, one time I tried to make 
Taylor do the sounder with his voice, and that went horribly wrong. So we're not going to do that again. <laughs> Any hot takes, big thoughts from the draft before we get out of here? My my thoughts about the draft in general was, uh, what the heck is Charlotte doing? I mean, Michael Jordan isn't completely like he's not minority stake owner yet. So why are why 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 are you not drafting Scoot Henderson? That 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 surprised me, and of course, a lot of people. Uh, what are you doing? Have this, you seen this stuff that Shams was maybe dude, like cooking the books? That's wild. It makes so yeah, much sense. Like, saw that. I'm not saying he was doing it, but I. I'm surprised it took this long to be like, hmm, maybe his affiliation with a sports book is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, that's not that's not going to. There's going to be well. an investigation. It's fascinating. Draft it's not going to end well. And then Woj saying Woj saying uh, his things again. Like they're targeting. They are deeply in- intrigued by. Yeah. Um, so we. T- I mean, Justin, we turned. Shams off because yeah. we didn't want the the pick mm-hmm. spoiled. Just followed Woj for the trades, but yeah, I I'm still kind of baffled that Bilal Kulabali went seventh. That's probably. I mean, I was thinking through the first round. That's got to be the biggest surprise. Bilal yeah. seventh, Whitmore twentieth. Yeah. What What's more surprising, no, yeah. Bilal seventh or Leonard Miller going in this? Was he Was he thirty fifth or forty fifth? I don't remember transparently, but it, I mean that Leonard Miller, not that surprising because I feel like once you get into the teens is where the variance really picks up. But Koulibaly, I mean, leading the week of the draft, it was like some real heavy rumors that he could go top 10 and I just couldn't quite get there mentally. Like really top 10 and then like top eight and then he goes seven. Hey, that man. felt like a lot. People have different scouts that see different things. Yeah, just ask the Thunder. Yeah, <laughs> Miller went thirty third. A lot of scouting on Koulibaly. But I, yeah, that that's very surprising. I think the Camp Whitmore thing, like again, didn't feel as shocking on draft night because there started to be some rumors about injury concerns and like yeah. there, you know, he could be the one that slides. But always surprising when a guy that's consistently mocked that high going into the draft drops into the twenties. I think, mm-hmm. you know, hope it works out for the kid. Hope it doesn't work out because he went to Houston. Um, so if there's a way those two can be Jeez. reconciled, sign me up. Um, cool. Bali, definitely, definitely the surprise of the night. Um, I also thought that jet Howard getting taken ahead of Kobe Bufkin was very interesting. Jet I- Howard getting taken ahead of Grady Dick. I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Those are two. Those are like the same prospect. Yeah. I just thought yeah. Grady was the better of the two. So that was really fascinating. I, I already love... didn't want OKC to draft Grady Dick. And then once he showed up wearing that outfit, I <laughs> I thought to myself, I'm going to be so mad you if know what... Oklahoma City drafts this guy. You know what made me feel so validated for hating Grady Dick? That was suit. his post-draft interview. Well, yes, the suit. But the post-draft interview where he said, being best friends with Drake is his top priority. And I was like, get uh, out of here, dude. No. If my draft disgusting. pick said that, 
on draft night like even if it's a joke just compare that to like some of the answers you get from like thunder guys like they couldn't be more different the Mm -hmm. worst the worst the worst (laughs) he's john ralphio that is what he he really is is. (laughs) the worst john ralphio with a jumper (laughs) i love it um i don't know besides that i think uh i can't think of any more like big hot takes for the draft i i wonder if the houston rockets know you only play basketball with one ball uh listen man it, they there's there's a lot going on i heard alprin shangun is Jokic light <laughs> i heard he's up to seven six now wow uh usman <laughs> jang is might be up to seven six now so maybe if you have a typo we're all uh, seven six yeah. according to houston rockets twitter <laughs> right yeah. well, that's, that's true that's very no i true. think it it feels like another draft not to say it was a letdown but once again, like you get swept up in all the trade potentials and all the rumors about who's going to get traded three, four, five, seven, but eight, nine. I think what this draft None again reiterates, right, is the difference in big boards across uh, front offices. It and is 100%. A lot, of times, a lot of times you don't have to move to get the guy that you yep. want because they're so different. So you get a few around, right? And we did this year. But I think unless there's like very obvious tiers throughout the whole first round, those number of trades are going to be, be be pretty limited. And I think this year it was like a very obvious tier at the top. Then there was kind of a pretty long extensive next tier or couple tiers, depending on how you want to break it down. I think there's a lot of movement in that. And so teams didn't feel like they had to, you know, take a big jump or make a big swing to try to get somebody they felt really good about. This is why I don't invest myself in the scouting process for the draft. And I reserve that for after the draft. Just be, I, I just want to know what position, how tall, what's the wingspan and go from there. Um, because who you think Oklahoma might be on somebody's board and may totally be to- completely off the board and who you might think they should not take is who you think they might actually, who they might actually try to try to take up a uh, trade up and take. So, yeah, I don't do that specifically for that, Justin. Call me. Are you just mentioned like I want another height, their wingspan, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to share this image real quick. If you're this is why you should watch the stream <laughs> visual uh, aids. Yeah, you might miss out on another uh, Nick hey, spreadsheet. Some and people you don't, are visual learners. If there's one thing you don't want to miss out on, it's a Nick spreadsheet. Mm. Um, this is the picture I got uh, from the press conference. Did zoom in? Can you guys see that? Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. sure. Keontae Johnson is listed at six five. Case and Wallace is listed at six four or six three. One standing a little bit farther behind. Uh-huh. So, Kaysen's like a legit six four. And Kamir, let me tell you something. Those arms are long. He like, ties, I think he got measured. Shoes. Yeah, I think he got measured six eight wingspan. I mean, they are some long arms. I was like, kind of taken aback. He got long arms. I think it's gonna be good. All right, guys. I think that's probably gonna do it for us. That'll do, pig. That'll do, pig. That'll do.
Thank you guys so much for tuning into the uncontested. We really appreciate you. If you're joining the live stream tonight, or if you are listening to the podcast afterwards, thank you so much. We may be having a bonus pod this week with a guest. So be on the lookout for that. And then we are back Wednesday night, as always, 9 p.m. Central Time. We're going to talk some free agency, what the Thunder may do, what their position is, talk about some of the free agents that are out there and not out there. It's kind of a weak class. But we're going to talk all things free agency because Friday night, 6 p.m., free agency kicks off. And we're going to see a flurry of action across the league. Should be a great time. And then we are back with you guys again on Sunday, 9 p.m. Then I believe I believe two Sundays from now, Justin, we'll be live from Las Vegas. Summer League. It's going to be, be awesome. incredible. Uh, unfortunately, we are only there for one Thunder game. It is Thunder versus Dallas. I wonder if you guys will see James Book tonight just hanging out on the steps Book. again, like he, like he is waiting for his mom to pick him up. <laughs> I hope so. Hope so. He should be playing Summer League again. Yes, he should. All right, we will talk to you guys again, maybe before Wednesday. So be on the lookout. Until then, I'm Robert. And always, thunder up. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.